here we are ancient civilizations all right so that's the topic for tonight and i just wanted to talk about a few really good ones and uh if i didn't get the one that you liked the most like i said tell us at the end we'll talk about it for a minute so number one this is uh high brazil i don't know if you guys are familiar with it as much it's definitely not a very common one but uh you know especially in our country but uh this is right off the coast of ireland this little x right here is called porcupine bank it is a place that is now underwater but as you can see this little area right here where the x is is a raised bed and according to ireland legend and those in that area there was once a small island named high brazil that island is on the maps for hundreds of years uh, pretty incredible, um, and different maps from different people around the world. Um, according to legend, though, when people would get on boats to try to go to it, they couldn't even get to it. It was covered in mist. It was inhabited by wizards and incredible monks and um, saints, people with high, uh, you know, adept understandings of magic. There was a story where one dude did get off with his family. He went on by himself, but his family stayed back. He went to a castle, met with a wizard who gave him gold and returned to his ship. And, um, you know, just pretty incredible. And he goes back and he has the gold with them. Um, this was said to have been there for hundreds of years, at least. The legend is, again, covered in mist. So um, one of the craziest thing is, one day, the legend says, one day out of seven years, all of a sudden you could see the island. <laughs> Just one at one day out of seven years that you would be able to see the island. But every other day, other than that, it was literally covered in mist and you couldn't see it. And anybody who tried to get to it literally on a boat just kept circling and circling around, could never find it. Sometimes it would appear and reappear as if it's like in another dimension almost. So just the island of High Brazil, it's on the map as Brasilia, Brazil, Sil. It's called by several different names, High Brazil, but um, definitely on the map for hundreds of years and probably at some point either took off, sunk under the water, or who knows, but definitely a lot of information. What's that? What um, Can you describe your interests in these civilizations as you go through them? I'd, I'm curious to hear um, the, the selection and the flow. Uh, I just told you about a mystery island that can't be seen, but one day here and you couldn't get to it if you tried to. That's that's my interest. I think that's incredible. Yeah. The OK. Fact, the fact you that know what people were there. What's that? You know what people were there, like the, the natives. The, the legend is that, you know, there were one guy who the got off got on and went into a huge tower that had a magician and an old guy, white beard, white hair, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, and, it, you know, just monks and saints, just like, and, you know, I don't know if that we, when we think of those words, I don't know that we're thinking about the right thing. We're thinking about Jesus type people. We're thinking about Christ consciousness, Buddha. We're talking about high, you know, high integrity, compassion, longevity of life um not just an island that was hard to get to or just a mystery island you know what i mean these things normally um you know are surrounded by different legends that's to me i'm not just trying to tell you about a civilization that i think is cool or, or you know they had a cool building or something that might be hard to build but the legend of the people themselves that lived there were of high technology and high valor and um, 
you know, just you kind know, of like, like Atlantis. Yeah. And I, you know, I would say, you know, the, the most, the majority of the civilizations that I'll show you today, I think after the flood, legends all say that Atlantis, Lemuria, all those kinds of people tend to go off into certain places. Now the water's a bit higher. They've got to disperse and go different places. So one could argue that ancient Egypt and, uh, you know, the Mayans and people like that were all just yeah. of people of Atlantis and everything else. So. It reminds me of a place um, in a Dr. Seuss story called um, Bartholomew and the Ublek. Uh, the place was called Mount Nikatave, and it was where the wizards lived. And the king consulted with the wizards at Mount Nikatave in that story. Yeah. A mysterious, misty, mountaintop sort of place. What inaccessible. mountain are you saying? On more, more a, fi a fictional one in a Dr. Seuss story. Oh, okay, yeah. But even some of that, you know, is probably based on legend, just taken and watered down a little bit more and mm -hmm. changed, changed up and, you know, re, um, <clears throat> redistributed, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so right now, what now you're looking at, it's Hyperborea. Um, Hyperborea is one that, uh, again, similar situation as um, high Brazil, but these the the legend was with the Hyperboreans um, lived above the north wind, and their home was a place of paradise. They lived to be a thousand years old. They were very very tall people, beautiful, big eyes, um, and you know they lived above the northern wind. And um, so Hyperborea is definitely one too. Again, where it's similar to high Brazil, high technology. Um, people who definitely looked a little bit different than the modern day person. And um, uh, here, let me read you this real quick too. They were, um, they were people that lived to be a thousand years old and, had, and lived in complete happiness where it was sunshiny all day in the summertime and the sun lasted for most of the day. So sounds like it, fourth density, it, you know, it also, and um but they did have to have fire at, in the winter because it did get cold. But the fact that it talks about the sun shining for such a long period of the day, that's like Alaska. Alaska definitely, um, you know, has the same thing where it has sunshine almost 24 hours a day in the summertime. So, um, again, I think, you know, that seems to coincide with real events. So um, the fact that that's part of the legend definitely confirms that this is probably more than anything a real place and um, definitely very cool. Uh, you know, what they talk about. just a kind of a cool picture I found online that went along with it, but um, seemed to be Oof. in the northern, up near the North Pole, uh, in the mountains. Um, Are they uh, the same thing as the Nordics? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Kind of, but definitely a different area, you know, uh -huh. yeah. Hyperborea. Yeah. So pretty cool. But yeah, I would say they were probably, you know, in the same species, family, whatever you want to call it, just living in different uh, parts of the world, like super close to each other. You can see are the aurora. The, are they associated with the people that were recording uh, history in the ice? In the what? In the ice. In the Have ice? you heard that? Yeah, um, I've heard um, a couple of um, storylines, I suppose, about civilizations that stored information both in water and 
in ice and that was one of them that they were near the north pole and they were um recording information for earth basically in the uh the ice caps something to that effect and i think i think they are the nordics that uh michael sala writes about mm -hmm. yeah yeah so let me i clarify that real quick it said the legend said the sun was supposed to rise and set only once a year in hyperborea so it literally was like sunny all the time there so have that, you it's uh it's the, that's the experience uh from spring to us uh, or the, from winter through spring into summer in alaska that's a basically the sunrise right so yeah i mean it, it seems like they lived in the northern north part north pole and, above the arctic circle right and you know as far as we know no one ever lives in the pole so um except for the fact that you know uh aggregate tough people live that live up there well, you know, according to, you know, what Albert Einstein and Eric Casey say, and what I tend to subscribe to as well is at each pole, there's an opening and, and close to those openings, the weather is a bit nicer um, from the inside, the heat of the earth, but you can fly into the center of the earth or at least the crust. Um, that's what Admiral Byrd did. And in his diary, he wrote about that. And once he flew in to the um, openings in the poles, he was, you know, basically caught by like a tractor beam, brought him in. He met up with these really tall, you know, uh, inhabitants of the inside and told him to stop. We need to stop using nuclear weapons. This was in World War II. We were messing up the earth for everybody because we we're, you know, blasting off nuclear weapons on the outside, but it was obviously messing things up for them inside. So near the center of the near the poles or in you know at the ends of the poles north and south there are two openings on each one on each pole where you can literally fly into the earth that's where that was charles hapgood's book admiral bird admiral admiral bird of the the mission the the failed mission to go down to the south but who flew who flew into the north was that hapgood he may have too yeah that's uh, that's a good and that's where can you write that down Hap i good. think that was what I have to, it sounds like you read his book. I haven't yet. I, I haven't read it, but I, I've heard of Hapgood. I know more about the Admiral Byrd story, him flying into the poles and then, you know, like down said, to the south and meeting the people inside. Yeah. And I think that was a hush hush thing. But he did his, his his journal comes out later. And, you know, it's something that he it seems that he wrote about, you know, there's never any actual 100 percent confirmation that it's his. But I, I mean, it's such a great story. It's where this journey of the center of the earth comes from, you know what I mean? So um, super interesting, but definitely these people obviously had a high technology and understanding to, to live in such a place. And um, like you said, hardy people, strong people, and probably just knew more about nature and earth in general and how to live with mother earth instead of just honor. Uh, here's another one, number three, Lemuria. Um, so this was a pretty big piece of the land. This is off the coast of Madagascar, India, and Australia. This land was here. And I think that's one of the reasons why people say that lemurs live in Madagascar, that the lemurs came from Lemuria. And so they just, you know, there were the remnants, the animals from Lemuria that are still left over. Um, Lemuria, a lot of people say that the Lemurians, after the flood, they ended up inside Mount Shasta. I don't know. Oh, look at that cute little baby. Um, mm -hmm. Is up pretty late. Um, but that is pretty interesting that the, the civilization, a lot of people ended up there from that area. 
I mean, again, you know, just to disperse of, of a cataclysm like that, uh, where people end up in Egypt and other places. Um, but I have heard many, many times that the inhabitant of Mount Shasta are Lemurians. Mm-hmm. If I could add to that, Jacob, real quick, um, I actually went to Mount Shasta a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's amazing. It's an incredible place for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, um, I don't pretend to know um, what's accurate. I can tell you that I actually am um, a student of the modern mystery school. Um, and I'm actually going to London tomorrow uh, to go to um, further classes with them. And so I had just actually completed the 12 races of Earth class with them on Monday, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, what they had actually in the Indian Ocean was actually um, Mu and Lemuria, um, according to uh, their lineage and also um, a couple others that I've heard, was actually the Pacific Ocean. And that's why they ended up in Shasta, which is also described as the root chakra yeah. of the earth. Um, but they sort of inhabited the whole Pacific Rim around the Pacific Ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they were named Lemuria because an explorer only 200 years ago, uh, who was actually in the Indian Ocean and discovered a chain of islands that was populated by lemurs. And so he called that area Lemuria. So I would say that it's actually a little bit foggy at best because I think some people refer to the civilization that was south of India in the Indian Ocean as Lemuria. Some say, no, that's the Mu. And Lemuria is actually uh, east of there and in the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, yeah. So you're right on about those things, Mu. Uh, there's definitely talk and discussion. And like I said, uh, unless you remember it down in the deep DNA of your of your body, you know, I feel like it's all up for discussion. Um, totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. 100%. The answers are definitely down in the DNA, but definitely something that you hit on was that when these cataclysms happen, uh, especially I believe the end of the 26,000 year cycle, when our earth stops spinning um, because of the pole shifts. And so every, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. I believe when the poles flip, our earth will stop spinning the way it is before it'll stop for probably about three days where one side receives sun and one side will receive darkness because of the sun shadow. And uh, I believe that's why the Middle Eastern talk about three days of darkness and the Hopi tradition talk about a long day that happened in the past that will happen again. Um, but in that um, zero point, as I call it, that is when the, we have the shifting of the crust and everything. And so you're right. I do think that that's why it's easier to disperse in certain places or where you might end up somewhere different, clearly different because the whole shifting of the earth and you know, one of one civilization that I didn't do certainly that I could do is Antarctica it was a continent that was probably somewhere near the equator. At some point, there are lots of pyramids that seem to be uh, visible on it now. And there's, I would say under the ice is a plethora of things to show civilization was once on Antarctica as well. So yeah, just Lemuria, super cool place. Uh, the technology, the um, you know, very similar to Atlantis. The legends, the stories, the you know, um, all the things about it, very similar to Atlantis. I was watching something the other day about that, about Lemuria and Atlantis, mm-hmm. and I always thought that Atlantis was the good guys that had like all of the um, highly evolved species, you know, there and and just like a little bit more angelic 
-hmm. but I'm starting to, I, I'm starting to realize that a lot of people are talking about the reptilians are the ones that started Atlantis. And it was a really high tech, like more on the negative side. And then yeah. Lemuria, Lemuria was the one that was like more mystical and magical. And, and, you know, I always thought that Atlantis was the one that was all like, you know, angelic and, um, you know? Yeah. Again, like I said earlier, this is all, a lot of this is speculation. We're coming from a place of very, very limited information. Right. Unless you were someone to just completely remember it all in your DNA. Uh, you know, it's really up for discussion. I have had a couple past lives revealed to me in past life regressions of being in Atlantis. And to me, it seemed pretty benign. It seemed overall, you know, free energy environment. you know, mm -hmm. nothing was limited as much. But um, I, I felt personally like it was more feminine led, if that makes sense. Uh -huh. So now kind of in a more masculine end where you use more left, more left brain. Uh, I feel like it was more right brain back then. Um, right. Not that one's better or worse than the other. Both have its advantages and disadvantages. I, I, I think to have a, a, a best civilization we have is to have a balanced masculine and feminine uh, civilization. Not one where one is more prominent than the other. Mm -hmm. So, um, but again, I mean, does everybody in Atlantis, you know, positive and, you know, probably not. Everybody in Lemuria positive and, you know, probably not. I mean, yeah. you know, and back to just, I want to say something about the reptilians. I don't personally feel like all reptilians are bad either. Right, right, you know right. I, mean? I don't either. I think some of them probably have evolved. They just still look reptilian, you know, but that right, doesn't yeah, mean exactly. they all have negative intentions and want to eat us and, you know, yeah. whatever. So, um, right. you know. Well, I think most of them are controlled by AI and they have nanotechnology in them. So I think naturally they're not necessarily dark, but a lot of them are being controlled by the AI. It's like people say the Anunnaki came down here and, and you know, uh, created people and, and for as slaves. And sure they did, but that doesn't mean every Anunnaki did. What I what we right. have to realize is when civilizations, you know, scour the universe looking to take uh, up resources, who is that? That's probably military people. That's probably not, you know, the average person from another planet. You know what I mean? Just like when we go right. take over countries, it's mm -hmm. our military. It's not Randy and me going to take over or, or something. Um, so. There's another school of thought too. If you ever check uh, Matias Stefano on Gaia, he does have recall over three separate past lives and, and right. apparently access to the Akashic record also. But the way that he describes this, he has a great episode, at least one episode where he goes back 100,000 years. And, or actually, he may even go as far back as a million years, but then most of the races that he talks about are in the last 100,000 years. And what he describes is that we are uh, sort of a, a galactic orphanage obviously and that different races come here to um, spread their information is what he what he always calls it but it's dna i mean it's how uh, it's how the races do this and what um what he says is that there was a sort of a council formed out of um part of the galactic federation and um as part of a way to help resolve some galactic um friction that that multiple races and planetary systems had they agreed that they were going to come and collect or deposit their information here on earth 
um, together and in a way to show that the races with their collective information could in fact coexist and that that's part of um, and there's there's many other stories if you read the impact as well to, it sounds kind of like the orion wars yeah that's where that's what he says that it all comes out of out of orion um, and the raw contact um, with the law of one if you've ever read that which is a channel um, teaching from the early 80s um, they talk extensively also about um, similarly um, et that come here and um, share their information um, and mostly though um, all benevolently this is really um, you know the universe is sort of a, a nursery for consciousness and all advanced civilizations, whether they are positively or negatively polarized, uh, event or ultimately are trying to raise consciousness up uh, in the way that they feel is uh, most beneficial. And so obviously the Galactic Federation and those that are more positively polarized, um, you know, do it sort of one way and, and the negative ones do the other. And we're sort of under yeah. quarantine, uh, yeah. you know, under that, uh, that, under that system. Yeah, it's kind of like if you pull pull yourself down like a rubber band, eventually when you let go of that, it pops back up even farther than it would have been initially. So every every lesson is therefore really valid. And I just wanted to show this picture because it kind of moves Lemoyer around, puts Moo in there like you were saying. And so, you know, it, it just, you know, opens up the doors. Okay, I think these things are possibly there. Uh, where exactly? I'm not going to claim to know exactly where these things were. Obviously, Atlantis being and the Atlantic Ocean makes a lot of sense with some of these other ones. I'm open to, and I believe it's a beautiful discussion just to have it, just to talk about it. So, you know, Atlantis is our next one and it has the, the rings around it um, is how Plato described it. As far as I know, that's our first, um, you know, interaction with, with Atlantis is Plato's, Plato talking about it. Um, and and I, my, I, my assumption is that he come up with that uh, you know, from a memory, from a, um, you know, from a dream or a vision to seeing that in the mind's eye and coming up with that. And, you know, some people speculate too that, you know, he was just um, part of some secret groups, some secret mystery schools, and, you know, he was given that information as well. So that's definitely a possibility. But we all know that uh, Atlantis and Memoria and all these places sunk in, in a day, um, I, this is something that's always fascinated me and I've always I've always been someone to not believe something or not believe it just see it for what it is and so I kind of asked my guides one time I was like how does it get to a day you know it takes a long time for polar caps to melt and everything and that's where I got the idea of the planet stopped spinning that just came to me one day and I found it in some other places don't they talk about that in the bible too like in revelations how there's going to be one day that there's going to be darkness yeah, the three days of darkness, and that's from yeah. and those yeah. those come from the Middle East, right? So one side of the planet, but the Hopi tradition in the Americas where we live talk about a long day that happens, so okay. a long extended period of light. So that to me would mean that the planet would stop spinning because the poles flipped. That's your equal and opposite reaction. Then then before it starts to spin the other way to gather up this new vibrational frequency. Mm -hmm. That so that's what you want. Um, I was in the park one day looking at um, Tavakiva and um, had this really beautiful download that the reason that people want you to be polarized, Democrat, Republican, white, black, whatever it is, good versus evil, 
um, to be polarized as seven, eight billion people on the planet keeps our planet from the polarities flipping. We want the polarities to flip. This is the natural process that happens. But when seven plus billion people on the planet are polarized against each other for the color or skin or whatever, or anything, we are affecting magnetically this flip from happening. And we want it to happen. It should happen. So take yourself out of the polarization of ideas and concepts, no longer allowing people to have free will to be, you have your ideas and I have mine, but I'm certainly not going to fight you over them. And um, I'm not going to take one side or the other, you know, realizing that Democrat or Republican, they're all part of the same bird. So, um, but what else, another thing that I found out about that is as the world is spinning, there's actually a bulge at the equator, like a hamburger. And um, that's because it's spinning 16,000 miles an hour. It's making the water bulge up at the equator. So if we were to have a moment where the planet stopped spinning, that bulge therefore would be completely released a huge gathering of that water that's at the equator were completely dispersed extremely quickly across the entire planet. And I believe it's about 80% of all people live within a hundred miles of the coastland, you know? So it is an astronomical number for it to, if that was to happen, all this water's gathered at the equator, the planet stops spinning and all that water disperses quickly. Anybody- 80% of people live a hundred miles from the coast? It's a really, yeah, it's somewhere in that, neighborhood the last time i heard it was you know several years ago 500 or so port cities around the world yeah you're talking about you know what i mean if you had that if you had waves like that it would it would decimate the, the population of the planet in a day you know? mm -hmm. um yeah it's a large number of people live on the, within 100 miles of the coast so like i said if that's that's just what i gathered up and i asked my guides about it and that you know i find the breadcrumbs i find the stories i find the things and you know what I mean? I don't even know anybody else that knew that the water bulges at the equator like that. It was just something I found in its journal, a scientific journal. So um, it just blew my mind that that was, you know, there when I when I actually tried to look for it and find it and just be open to the mystery. So something- You know a couple people who know about that. Now, yeah, I do now, yeah. But back in the day, 10 years ago, I had no idea anybody was even cared about that anything more than Atlantis, like there was anything else to figure out about it, you know what I mean? But again, Atlantis is a you know port in the middle of the ocean um, that was high technology, free energies apparently, and just incredible um, insights to nature and to the wonder of the world that we are just now beginning to start to understand again. And so they they sank in a day, and those people had to they had to get out. And I would assume back in the day when that happened, it killed off a large percentage of the people, and there were certain people who were able to listen to their intuition that had contact with their guides and aliens and you know whatever who were able to help take them off the planet bring them to other places uh whatever they had to do to survive but um, i do think a small percentage of people left and those people you know created the the mayan cities the egyptian cities and different I feel like there was a lot of um different races there yeah that's definitely the things that i've heard too different it's a a melting pot, you know, almost. And I think it's weird today that we have such a, you know, we have the races, like really there's only one race, the human race. And the only reason that we have people that look so much different than the other is because of the Tower of Babel. So back in the day, the Tower of Babel was a tower that could top that reached the heavens. They, humanity was united by one living language. We could all speak the same language. And then God came down and confused man with Babel 
Babel, Tower of Babel, because we had become one. That doesn't sound like the God of love. That sounds like someone who has an ego, doesn't want us to communicate. And then therefore white people say, well, white people and black people, black people, and don't, you know, necessarily um, procreate with each other. But I, I tend to think even more than just color of skin, you're, when you're talking about the reptilians or bird people, or I think that there was a plethora of different type of race lines more so than just you know different colors of humans that live there um certainly because they could people could come and go aliens could come and go our imagination was at a higher spot so things were you know more available so seeing a ufo back in those days like it's just it's just another human it's just another sentient being so yeah i think it was totally um fine nobody cared about that like they would today it would literally kill people if an alien, if a ship landed in front of some people. Some people would literally probably die. It would like <laughs> give them an aneurysm, <laughs> you know, because it would be too much overload for them. Literally, um, back in the day, I felt like this was just everyday life. It's just what happened. So obviously, these uh, civilizations are all underneath the uh, water. Atlantis has sunk, and Lemuria has sunk, and the remnants are all underground. So this is the Bimini Road found in 1968 off the coast of the Bahamas. Edgar Casey in the early 1900s and one of his most famous channelings in 1938 said that we would find the remnants of Atlantis in 1968 and 69. He was 100% right. This is for all means and purposes, a road built with intention. Um, and this was found in 1968 uh, right off the coast of the Bahamas, and uh, I believe he was right. He was able to channel in to that power within us to, you know, let us know, hey, you guys are going to find the remnants of Atlantis. So, again, Bahamas, you're talking about Atlantic Ocean, you're talking about all the right places, um, how big Atlantis was, who knows. And even if Atlantis was just one city or a collective term for an entire race or species or, you know, um, village, if you will, of of you know a big island maybe atlantis was just a huge island and so there's you know remnants all around the atlantic ocean but i i certainly do believe that this is a man-made structure in the bahamas that uh, he predicted that they would find and he was right and so again um off the coast of cuba when they're doing solar scan sonar scans of the ocean they got permission from the cuban government to do this they were looking for something else but they did find pyramids literally on the bottom of the ocean off the coast of cuba which i just feel like is absolutely pretty recent that? yeah a few years past few years absolutely that they were able to do this and they really tried to cover it up but um they had already got the permission and already got the photo so some of them are out there it's just again you know this should be on the top of news headlines yeah yeah but it's just nobody's going to talk about it it's not what you know people are getting paid millions of dollars to talk about they're i think about. we're going to continue getting um having more discoveries like more and more um shocking discoveries you know i mean they're yeah I, I think the biggest one will probably be in antarctica i think when the yeah when the ice melts on antarctica the pyramids on antarctica and the things they're going to find on that is going to be mind-blowing <laughs> And it's going to be undeniable. So again, whether it's off the coast of Cuba or Puerto Rico or wherever, Greece, um, we're going to continuously find, like you said, artifacts. And, you know, obviously some of these things could have been from sunken ships, but um, a lot of these are literally civilizations and 
uh, underneath the water because the water at some point was much lower than it is today. So this is an Egyptian artifact and um, you just, there's all kinds of cool pictures and stuff. I just picked a few of some of the ones that were kind of more clear because it's, when I share my screen, I want to make sure you guys can see as much as possible, but just incredible pictures of all kinds of cool stuff underneath the water that, um, you know, obviously there. And this is off the coast of Japan. And these are just, there's no way that these are not man-made uh, temples. They're obviously right angles. Uh, just looking at this thing, you just know, there's just no way that this is uh, anything else but a man-made structure underwater. I mean, look at that, nothing but right angles and straight lines. And mm -hmm. uh, it looks, looks like every other pyramid, you know, similar to every other pyramid around the world. And so there's just a lot of great pictures of them. So um, this one looks like the Mayan temple uh, underwater. And so here we'll come to, uh, back to the Middle East. This is Petra, Jordan. Um, I just don't think really today we're going to create something with such precision and you know magnificence as the Petra the temples of Petra it's just incredible that any anything other than very very recent times in the past couple of decades if anything like this is even remotely possible um, without the technology close to what we have today uh, they're carving out out of rock like this and with such precision, this is a one and done deal. This is not, um, you know, you can't, you, you, there is no mess up, right? Where, where do you get the technology to be able to create out of one side of a rock, the technology to be able to create, you know, buildings and temples like this, to me, it's just astronomical. And the same thing, this is Ethiopia. These are the church they say King Lalibela created. And I, I just find it, I just I just say no way. There's no way these things were built a couple hundred years ago. Um, you know, when we just didn't have the technology, these things were, I think, much older. Uh, when you look at this thing, you can see some of the, the growth on it. Oops, there. Um, the growth on it, that's taken obviously a long time for it to get this growth in algae and moss and all the things that are growing on this thing. It's obviously been there for quite some time. And again, the precision that it takes to cut the rocks, um, and and these are all these are all one rock where the the remaining rock is gone. It's completely taken out. It's cut from almost from the top down, and everything else around it is completely taken out. These these churches in Ethiopia, I, I've never set my eyes on them myself, but definitely um, you know one of the one of the most incredible structures in the world, I believe. Um, that uh, you know, literally cut out of one rock, and obviously churches you can walk through them, so they're hollow inside as well. But just you know, absolutely incredible that um, there's just no way. I, I just don't think that the planning's there, the blueprints are there for anybody just a few hundred years ago. And, and you know, this these are these things are super difficult for us to try today, and we're not doing it today. We're not even doing it. So to to make an argument like, oh, we can do that today. Where is it at? Where is anybody doing this at? Nobody's even trying this anywhere else. You know what I mean? And they did it in these multiple churches. So they did it. And to me, I think they did it because it was easy. It wasn't necessarily hard. And I don't think it had to be groups of people. When you talk right. about King Solomon, when you talk about 
you know, Jesus said I could tear it, you know, I could tear a um, temple down and rebuild it in three days. Of course, I think he's talking about his body, but he's also talking about the buildings too. I think the the magic that these people have and the advancement in their mind is far beyond what we know. It. And to them, right. these things are probably more easy than they are hard. Didn't they also, the civilization of Petra just disappear suddenly? Yeah, I think so. There's like almost no trace of them at all, to be honest. I don't, they, right. I don't know any, really almost anything about them. That's just, it's just not even there. So of course, the pyramids of Egypt, uh, one of the most famous ones of all. Um, and this is really cool. And I, I think most of you guys probably know this, but just to point this out, when you look at the main, the tallest pyramid of Giza, you can see how it has a little bit of this um, part on top. So it literally, before um, before it got old, they literally stole the casing of the pyramids. And um, when it was when it's said to be in new pristine form, it was so shiny that you could bounce a laser beam off of it from outer space. Oh wow! Yeah, so I didn't even think about that. Right. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Um, so yeah, and you know, these things honestly could have been in before, after. Um, but yeah, so all the stone that was covering the pyramid at one time has been literally stolen and brought to different civilizations around the world. People have stolen and take it different places. But, um, you know, these things were covered up. It's almost just like the sand. Somebody was like, oh, somebody's coming. We got to get rid of these things. And they just cover them up in sand. That's exactly how the Sphinx was found. Like literally from its eyeballs up was the only thing showing. Probably just because that's how truth is at some point. You can't you can cover it up for a long time, but eventually it's going to be uncovered. But mm -hmm. um, I think out of all the things in Egypt, this thing we're looking at here is probably the most profound by far artifact in Egypt. Um, the Sphinx is probably much older than even the pyramids are. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen some of the ancient aliens and stuff like that, but the Sphinx has water damage on it and it literally on its back it literally has water damage and the last time anybody even considers the, the sahara to have been a wet environment temperate environment was tens of thousands of years ago and um you can kind of you can see that through soil samples in the ocean they can go take a soil sample of the ocean and you can see the sand blows off into the ocean every year but eventually at some point the sand stops, meaning that there were forests and rivers and grass. And this was tens of thousands of years ago that this happened. Uh, and, and you can just look at this picture alone. You see how he has a tiny head. Uh, most people believe that this was either like a dog or a lion and that the head was carved later on with, um, with a civilization like Khufu or something. I think that's probably what happened. It doesn't make sense to have this humongous body and this tiny little sphinx head on it. I think that it probably was a lion and that it probably faced the constellation of Leo, which would have been, again, 20 to 30,000 years ago, I believe. Um, I think the Sphinx was there long before the pyramids were themselves. And uh, according to Casey, I believe it was under the left paw of the Sphinx is a, um, is a room full of the records of Atlantis. So um, I, I don't think we're ever going to see that discovery. <laughs> Hopefully at some point, maybe. But they definitely have done sonar scans of that and found open chamber under there too. That's oh, the last wow. I've heard of it. But um, 
you know, are they going to tell us? No, probably not. But I would love to know what's under that paw, especially since he was right about the Bimini Road. Uh, I think that he's probably right about what's under the paw of the Sphinx as well. So this is the Temple of Seti. If you guys have never seen this, it's absolutely a real picture. Uh, just so you know, that looks like a helicopter to me, a tank, a spaceship, and a glider. These are all upright, tailright positions. That's uh, you know, intrinsic to modern-day aviation, but there's nothing in nature that has that. So uh, you can believe what you want, but uh, to me, they're putting on these temples and these pyramids the things that they saw, and they saw these things, and I 100% believe that they had tanks and spaceships and gliders and helicopters in the past. Um, but this is definitely on a pyramid. This is not a fake picture. I'm sure most of you guys probably know about this, but uh, I always like to point out things like this just in case anybody doesn't know. Temple of Seti, um, that's where I got this one from. And then these beams, uh, you know, are 15, 20 feet tall. They represent like fifth dimensional consciousness. So DMT. Yeah, those looks like right. And so one of the cool things about that is, is what I believe is in the zero point when that when the earth does stop spinning and the, the pulse lift and we stop spinning, that moment before we start spinning the other way, that is an incredible moment of spontaneous evolution. When we look back at hominids and stuff, they, they almost change overnight. Uh, it's not a million of year process where there's a missing link in the middle. They're literally just, you know, completely. It can be an explosion like that, you know? Right. So to me, if someone believes enough, if your vibration is high enough, there will be some of us that literally change and morph into larger beings, which will definitely help with the taking back of our planet. But <laughs> these people actually represent fifth dimensional consciousness. That, And, you know, in every every culture that I know of, ancient culture that I know of, all of them talk about giants. And I can guarantee you that giants still exist on this planet in different forms. Um, but there are lots of dog men, hairy men, Sasquatch, wild people who still come most of the areas of the world that, uh, you know, that we don't really ha inhabit, it, you know what I mean? Just because we live on concrete every day and we're domesticated doesn't mean that somebody doesn't care about light beer politics and, you know, they just don't care about those things. They care about each other. It's a civilization, you know, that lives with earth instead of on it. And um, there are giants that live on the planet still today. They're still out there. And I, I am most convinced that eventually um, some of us in the near future will even morph into avatar type giants. Uh, the Mayans and Chichen Itza and again, the incredible civilization I think came out of Atlantis and Lemuria, the people that came after those cataclysms happened, um, their technologies and, you know, just the buildings, the temples are just so incredible and so vast. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever been there. But when you're at Chichen Itza and you're standing right here next to them, you can clap. It, you can just barely clap like this, and it echoes throughout the whole entire place. Oh, the wow. whole thing is, yeah, it's like this, this incredible resonant chamber. Um, <laughs> when I was there, I, just, I was like crying. It, it just feels like this mystery school. It feels like a consciousness school. It feels like these people are out. They're, they're doing it. They're the ones. They're, they're, they're the original self-sustaining people. You know what I mean? out there in the middle creating their own fruits and vegetables growing and then here comes people that just completely destroy their way of living um but to me this felt like the original sustainers um and the mayans like other civilizations just 
pooped and vanished. And to me, I feel like what what was left of them ascended. That there were a moment in time where the ascension process was a group was a group event, and the remaining inhabitants of this area literally ascended into higher dimensions, and we're no longer able to, you know, see them or you know, I'm not, what happened after that is you know part of the mystery of life, but. Um, you know, Christ and other people said, you know, we can basically stop moving into bodies and forgetting who we are, you know, with, when we awaken and we wake up, eventually, we don't have to be continually going to this process of going through lives and forgetting who we are, you'll eventually at one point remember and not have to go through the forgetting process again. So these, uh, this is the ball court and um, on the sides down here. Uh, and like I said, these, it's just it's just incredible when you're standing there and like you see the people at the bottom, how big these things are and you know, what massive undertaking this would have been, or it was easy. It's either one or the other. It's a massive undertaking or these people knew how to do something that was. Are good. those steps normal size? For the most part. Yeah. It's not anything like super huge. And I mean, the, the ones in the middle, of course, not the ones on the side, the ones on the side would be probably four to four or five feet. Mm -hmm. So one of the cool things I just wanted to pull out real quick about the mild civilization, look at time real quick, um, is the crystal skulls. Just an incredible thing. Um, I've actually seen one of little Jacob. Little Jacob, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I share this picture because it, it shows good lighting and you can see there's, at least on this side, there's three different types of crystal and on the back, there's two more. So this one in particular is made out of five different types of crystal. Uh, this is my picture that I took um, I actually slept next to this thing. I, I actually held it in my hands and, and meditated with it. Uh, ne sleeping next to it one night, I literally could feel my consciousness being pulled in and out of my body all night into a dream world. And it was like, I could feel it like a, you know, coming in and out of my body. And I would wake up sometimes but <clears throat> gasping for air. Like I just got put back in my body and then I would close my eyes and I'd go right back to it. Um, it was like he was pulling my consciousness and my soul in and out of my body all night long. Um, just incredible. 18 pounds. It's made of the same material that you save all the information on your phone on. Um, so this is a literally a storage device. I would, I would consider this a computer that's aware of itself. And so that you could, this one is called Max owned by Joanna Parks and she takes around places, um, that literally without interfacing, you don't have to touch anything or use a cursor or hit the arrow buttons or type letters. You can literally ask this thing questions and it can talk back to you. That's how, that's how I take it. That's what happened to me. I heard his voice loud and clear. It was inside my head like a telepathic thing. Um, but I I just, you know, a civilization that has a legend of 13 crystal skulls, I think it's just absolutely mind-blowing, incredible um, that they had, you know, we just think this is a crystal, but this is literally a computer that can talk to you that has its own form of consciousness kind of like you would think maybe AI might have it, but even more intelligent. How it works, I'm not exactly sure, but it's beyond. I want to beat it. I, I would highly recommend it. Joanna Parks takes it around the country to let people check it out. Um, I've seen it probably three or four times. Each time was, you know, super incredible. So here's a, not necessarily a civilization, but something I wanted most people to know about that uh, probably most people don't. In Africa, there are lots of stone circles. In their school, and their classrooms, um, they tell people that these are like cattle uh, you know, fences or whatever. But if you look closely, even at this one, 
There's no interest in or out. It's not something that you would bring something into and leave them there. Every single one of these is different. Every single circle is different. And they're all, um, um, I think, made for resonant energy. Um, Adam's calendar is, you know, obviously one of the oldest man-made structures on earth. Um, and it's rocks that are sticking out of the ground to, I, I think, almost pull out energy it's like acupuncture of the earth these places um and every single like i said every single circle is completely different from every single one of them um, as if they're able to harness certain areas and that's the sacred geometry of that planet so by someone who is a very obviously adept person knowing how to pull an acupuncture of the earth energy were able to create free energy for themselves and people all in that area um, which I think is absolutely astounding. And it's all, again, it's all stone circles that have to do with sacred geometry. They're all, um, you know, this looks like the philosopher's stone. So they're using sacred geometry um, in the same way that I feel like there's a few people on earth doing now. And you look at Washington, D.C., you look at Egypt, they all have obelisks, they all have pentagrams. Not to say that those things are bad. That's just how the universe manifests itself. And when you know how it does and you can use it, you can use it to your benefit however you want to. I mean, the universe gives you free will. So you can use it to manipulate people or give to people. Either one, it's your choice. But these things are incredible. I, I can't even remember, but there's tens of thousands of circles like this in the in Africa alone. And one of the things I want to share about this, these are all just look like regular stones, right? Um, yes. However, these stones, when you hit them against each other, they, they make a crazy ching bing sound resonant sound um you may think this one on the left just looks like a donut but that's literally a torus that is a toroidal energy field and that cone-shaped tool is something found these tools are here found all along these circles in which i think you know almost looks like a magician hat but um what's incredible is uh they ring like bells and i just wanted to take quick second and you guys might not even be able to actually hear see it but you should be able to hear it i'm just going to play this is a michael tellinger i don't think you guys can see it but it, he is he's got some of these stones that he's found in these circles and he's just going to take a rock and he's going to hit them against it i just want you to listen to him so you know these aren't just they look normal like regular rocks but i want you to hear what he's about to play on them this one is full of patina. It's thick patina, so it's quite dull, but you can still hear the effect. Okay, I'm going to fast forward to a nugget. The next this one is a beautiful one. This one is frequencies. You hear that? That's almost like a crystal bowl or something. It's so penetrating. Okay, so you, you see what I'm saying? That is a huge rock, but that is something different. Like it's been electrified. Something's happened to it to give it this really abnormal um, behavior that it's able to ring like that. So what's, you know, all that, that's all pretty incredible. And those are the stones right there that he was ringing, just so you can get a look at them. If you guys couldn't see them in the video, I don't think you could. Uh, what is the name of those? The stones? I don't think they have particular names. They're just stones that he found. No, I was watching this the other day with him, and he has a large collection of what he considers them 
to be body parts from giants. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's yep. what Challenger said. Go look in, into that. It's this guy right here. I was just watching that the other day. He has all kinds of body parts lined out, um, like heart, organs, like all kinds of stuff. Petrified? Uh, pretty much, yeah. I believe so. And I think they make ringing noises or weird noises and stuff too. I'm not sure about the ringing, but yeah, look into that. Oh yeah, that's cool. I'm the, uh, hold on a second guys. I'm a little stuck on my screen right here. Um, why am I not being able to go back once I did that? That might've been not a good thing. <laughs> Let's see if I can go back. Can you see that picture at least? Of him mm -hmm. standing with the rocks? Yep. Okay, let's see if I can go back. Uh, I didn't know that I couldn't do that. I did that before. Let's see if I can stop the share for one second and then see if I can go back in. Sorry about that. I didn't realize I couldn't do that. Not letting me do it. Oh man, that's not good at all. Mm -hmm. That's weird. Hold on. Give me one second, guys, because that was supposed to be something that was really easy, and now it's not. Um, anyways, yeah, I think that's a pretty crazy thing. The, the um, Hopefully, I'll just talk, and we'll get back to where we were. But what's crazy is, so a lot of these stones are, are, are cone-shaped, and um, what I think is crazy about that is, if you guys have ever heard of Ed Lee Scullions, he got, he's the guy who created Coral Castle in um uh florida right and it's said to be one of the only modern day megaliths in the world right um okay here's here's michael tellinger okay here's michael tellinger and those are the rocks that we looked at here's coral castle in homestead florida said to be one of the only uh modern day megaliths so this guy's five feet tall you need to reshare your screen, Jacob. Oh, oh, thanks for telling me. Where's my Zoom at now? Okay, here we go. Thanks, Morgan. Sure. Okay, there it is. So this is in Homestead, Florida. He moved this thing. I think it was in Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale first. Uh, I think he got a call him to change it to Homestead. So he picked up everything and moved it. This guy did this whole entire thing by himself. The kids who saw him do this, he only did this late at night. He never did it during the day. He moved what what is, you know, coral. He cut, cut and carved all of it himself. And he moved what would be like 10,000 ton wall by himself. Five foot tall, 100 pounds. He didn't have any cranes. Didn't have any heavy equipment. He had this little black box. And at, at one point, these kids in Florida walked by him and said, and went and told their parents and stuff, we saw Ed out there. And he was levitating rocks and he had these cones shaped like ice cream cones in his hand. And obviously nobody believed him. But he, I just think it's fascinating that we've got these stone circles in Africa with these cone shaped tools and resonating tools. And here these kids say we saw Ed with with these cone shaped like stones in his hand moving things and probably levitating these things in a way that it was easy and he pushed them into place. That's what I honestly believe he was able to do. 
So the reason I share this, oh man, why is my my screen not working? The reason I share this is because I feel like it's fascinating because when we talk about, you know, want to go into the woods and create a civilization and be self-sustainable and how we're going to do it, you know, the information to how to do these things is there. If one man could build this by himself because he has the technology to levitate blocks and things, then I think it's really good on us and, and really promising because then we can do the same things. You know what I mean? The, the capabilities that one man has, obviously anybody has. And Ed wrote books that he knew how the pyramids were built. And all throughout this entire complex, he's got he's got secret little writings and things like that and how he did things. What's and his name? It's Ed, E-D. Skalin, I think it's S-K-L-I-S-K-L-A-L-I-N or something like that. He's, uh, I think, Polish or something. So it's 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 weird, but um, I can help you find it afterwards. But um, um, yeah. So, anyways, it's just it's just fascinating. This guy was able to um, do this by himself. Why are we having problems all of a sudden? Should I close everything that we got open? Let me close a few things real quick. See if that helps me at all. Um, so yeah, I just think that's incredibly promising because. You know, if we want to go out there in the, in, the, in the wilderness and create our own civilizations and do our own things, then, um, you know, some of us are kind of a little bit scared. But as we awaken to the possibilities of what we can and do and what, you know, we don't even know is possible, um, I just think it's, you know, good to know that, you know, we can come up with these civilizations and we can create these things and these huge temples um, and do it in some way. So this is really cool, too, because this is a doorway. And I went there when I was a kid and I remember pushing this door open with one finger, like it was just air. This thing, I can't even remember the, the how much it weighs, but it's several, several tons. It's extremely heavy, right? And at some point in the last 30 years, whatever, it, it, it goes, it messes up and it goes off. And they had to come in there with bulldozers and everything and cranes and pick it up and try to put it back on. They never, ever got it close to the point where it was like when Ed did it. Ed did it and you could push it with a finger. Now you have to really kind of push it with your with a couple hands to move it. And they never could get it. And that's honestly, I feel like, because Ed was literally able to levitate it, make it completely balanced and put it on there perfectly. And we cannot replicate what one five foot tall, 100 pound man did in the day, back in the day. Um, so here's another great civilization, the Mesopotamia, Sumeria, Babylon, all here now, which is modern day Iraq, but all these great civilizations in the past were all in the same area. Here's one thing that's pretty cool about this. The Bible talks about the Garden of Eden was between four rivers, and they specifically say the Pion and the Gion River were the two. That's where the people have always had a problem where those two rivers were. Satellite imaging now has found these two dead rivers. They're no longer there, but most people are pretty convinced that these two dead rivers that are no longer there were once a pylon again, which means they would come together right here, right? And right at the top of, uh, right here. I don't know if you guys, if that's in your way or not. There's a Persian Gulf over here. Um, and so I think the reason why you can't go back to the Garden of Eden is honestly because it's flooded. Oh, that's even better to go right there. Because you can't no longer go back there. The Garden of Eden is literally now underwater. That the Anunnaki created 
what they called the Eden was their landing point. That's where they set up shop. And where they set up shop hundreds of thousands of years ago, this was a much more luscious, temperate forest land than it is today, probably. Um, but the Garden of Eden was eventually um, flooded over by this by the Gulf and is no longer contained. Well, that's why you can't go back there. But that makes sense why these two rivers are there. Um, these are Sumerian tablets right here. These people on the on the left are Homo sapiens. The guy on the right is a god. He's obviously two or three times bigger than the dudes on the left. And this little circle right here in the middle, I believe, and if you wanted to ask me, I could show you. I believe this is sound technology. This is like a plate resonating certain energies. That's how they were able to move objects was making them weightless. And uh, this was a technology to be able to do that. But it's obvious these all three people are the same. And this dude is much bigger than the rest of them. He is their God. He is the Anunnaki. Um, I'm curious and, as to um, what it is that they wear on their wrist and then the bag. They carry that like little purse and then the thing on their wrist. You and me both. Um, I mean, the watch is probably anything you know, close to what we're wearing Apple Watches today. They're probably technology devices that tell time, that give them information, they're able to store information on, they're able to talk to their friends on. I mean, you know, one of the things I've realized is that all things are possible, right? So we can use tel telepath, uh, telepathic thought and telepathy to talk to each other, but people who aren't in the spiritual realm but are in the, you know, advancement of, of getting there, I mean, you can talk to anybody you want to on earth. Like you could literally think of them and use tele tele telepathic thought to talk to them. But, you know, if you're not in depth like that, then you have to use a cell phone. I think what we, even the internet is a physical representation of the internet that we're all connected. Um, you know what I mean? Like you don't really need an internet to find the clues. You can meditate and find every information that's in your DNA, right? So these are just things that they use because they, they may be, technology technologically advanced but they're not spiritually advanced and in some ways they are a little bit but i don't think these people are you know christ conscious buddha type people i think that they're technology advanced they have technologies they have watches they have guns you know what i mean they have things that you know make them superior and look magical and that's why we think of kings and queens as you know they are now someone who wears a crown someone who has you know, prestige, but really a king is someone or a queen is someone who it has integrity, has compassion. These people who have the attained the enlightenment. When you talk about Confucius, he had a misshapen head look like a crown. If you look at all the Buddha statues, they have this little bun on their head. I believe Christ had a little bun on his head, and that's why the Jews wear the yarmulke. Uh, and, and it's because they're, you know, it's like flattery is the highest form of, um, or, oops, I said that backwards, didn't I? Imitation is the highest form of flattery. They're imitating what they saw, right? They saw a man who had an, a bun on his head. He, you know, through his enlightenment phase, through the 40 days in the wilderness, uh, same with Buddha. I think these people were able to increase their gray matter, pop out what we call the crown of our head, and elongated the, their heads. Uh, it is an evolutionary process that happens. It didn't stop with the opposable thumbs. We have a lot more evolution to... Uh, to to uh, endure physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and, and definitely physically, we're going to change. And I think when we see these people with elongated skulls and things like that, if they had more brain capacity, they were more intelligent and not necessarily just people from other, other planets, but our own people in the processes of enlightenment were able to physically change to have longer skulls.
Um, and, I, and I believe that. And that's why it's called the crown of your head. And uh, I believe that most light beings definitely had a crown of head. So I'm going to speed it up a little bit because I know we're getting close. In Samaria, they were the first of everything, civilizations, governments, um, all the things. This is a tablet that's six years old, 6,000 years old, sorry. And you can see in the middle is the sun, pretty obviously, and every planet in our solar system surrounding it, plus one, uh, which is Nibiru, the planet that they come from, four, four times the size of Earth. It's blue because it's all water. And um, they had Pluto on there. Pluto wasn't discovered till 1930, less than 100 years ago. So, and the way that they said they had this information was Anunnaki gave it to them, plain and simple. Anunnaki means those who came from heaven to earth, and heaven is not a dimensional place. We're talking about the heavens. Everything outside of earth was the heavens, and that's where they were coming from. So you either have two things, people coming from other planets or someone coming from some other dimension, which is even really, even more crazier if you think about it than someone coming uh, from other planets, um, you know it just makes total sense when you really think of angels aliens they're really same thing and then um angels are definitely interdimensional beings with wings and aliens are definitely people from other planets and the stories that we have are just you know it's hard to decipher sometimes who's what because um the stories have been skewed and now we have a king james version which isn't really um you know really conducive to the modern day people under having a more in-depth understanding because it's been, you know, watered down and words have been changed. But certainly um, these people had an incredible in-depth information of something that happened. Uh, the Anunnaki who came down and had higher technology than them. Uh, and according to, their, according to their documents, they created the Adamu plural, which was a uh, people to mine gold for them, to bring gold back to their planet because their planet the atmosphere was literally dwindling because they were burning fossil fuels. And by injecting gold into the atmosphere, it could somehow repair it. Uh, funny enough, once I found this out, alchemy came right after for me. And I realized that you can eat gold, you can eat monatomic metals, silver, rhodium, iridium. And these things could give you lucid dreams. They could actually increase your spirituality. Uh, I was in the middle of bartending in Atlanta and started taking large quantities of gold and had epiphanies, revelations, aha moments, and realized that as I took more gold, I was really repairing my own atmosphere. I was repairing my own aura, my own electromagnetic field around me because it was so down because of the depression and drugs and alcohol, and that I had this really crazy, huge kind of like evolution quickly where I was able to rebuild my aura very fast from taking the gold. And have all these aha and epiphanies and revelations and, and these moments of how did, how did you take it was it powder, like powder and liquids okay. the the company that i went to was called zp technologies it's called zero point technologies and they literally mine these things one of the craziest things that ever happened i took uh this stuff called lucid and it was a liquid i would take it before i go to bed and i had lucid dreams very vivid i was on this farm and they were teaching people how to fly long story short and i said well how do you do it and somebody was like you just jump and you keep going and i was like oh you just jump and you keep going so i started practicing and eventually i started to fly around and i was flying in my dreams and i knew i was lucid and i knew i was like dreaming but awake and it was one of the coolest things ever but um i think alchemy is not just turning base metals into gold but it's turning your body into a golden state they're turning these metals into your body into a golden state so it's pretty cool um, again the anunnaki 
Here, here's your time out the watches, the bags, all the things that they're carrying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what's in that bag, but it sounds, it looks pretty cool. And that obviously looks like a watch to me. Uh, and I would say it's probably like an Apple watch in times 10 or more, but I think that they're able to do pretty crazy technology on, you know, again, I'm open to anybody else's, uh, Maybe they were using that to control um, a specific slave race. That's you know, very possible too. Uh, I think they didn't need too much of that. I think the moon does a lot of that. Um, mm-hmm. Like maybe even AI, you know, something yeah. that he, they need the wrist watch for. Yeah, he's definitely got two on in this. Uh, oh, wow, he sure does, huh? So it's definitely something that they were using for, who knows, maybe it was even a weapon that was able to shoot things out. I don't know. But um, definitely, they had higher technology than we did. Uh, I think we lost Andrew. And that um, could have been the fashion, too, at the time. <laughs> right. Yeah, it could have been. Uh, hold on. I'm going to pull this down here. Make it a little easier. Okay. So now we're on to the Anasazi. And there, there's a definite reason why I wanted to do this civilization right after the Anunnaki. is because I think they're one and the same. Uh, and even the word. Anunnaki. And uh, Sazi, and uh, this actually means enemy of the people. In case you guys didn't know, the and, and and why even today in our political correctness, a lot of people won't even say the word Anasazi because Native Americans don't want to look at their ancestors as bad. But I don't believe these are their ancestors. I think these were Anunnaki. When you look at the civilizations that these, oh come on, you did it to me again. When you look at the civilizations that these people are creating, they're not the nomadic people uh, of the of the Americas that are following around buffalo herds. So these people are setting up shop places and they're doing it in weird places like they're hiding. And, you know, Native Americans always have pictures and stuff of stuff they saw. And then they have regular people and then they have these people. And these people look really weird and they're really strange and they don't fit into anything else in Native American artwork. You know, well, they, it, makes, it kind of makes sense that the Anunnaki would disperse across the planet, you know, as much as they could. Right. There's gold everywhere in these hills, so you got to go st- set up in different places. But um, certainly these things don't fit the modern day humans. These obviously, I mean, this guy over here, if that doesn't look like some kind of weird alien dude with big eyes, I mean, I don't know what it is. That just doesn't look like you got the opportunity, you probably got the time to make that look like a normal human head if that's what it is. And uh, I just personally don't think that's what it is. I think the Anasazi are the enemy of the people for a reason. That's what that word means. It doesn't mean, you know, grandfather, ancient ones. It means enemy of the people. These are not people that they liked or cared for or, or, or had, you know, harmonious relationships with. These are weird people that were way different than all of them. Uh, even these, even to look at this picture right here is a bit spooky. I know it's a little bit blurry for you guys. It's hard. I spent many hours trying to find the best pictures that I could. It's a little hard sometimes. I probably missed this one, but um, you know, it just looks spooky. It doesn't look normal. These weird shadowy figures don't look normal. And again, this is Mesa Verde. These are built on the sides of mountain cliffs. What are you, who are you hiding from? Um, you know, again, if these are aliens from other planets, their bodies are just as fragile as ours. They can be killed just like we can be killed. So they don't want to be snuck up on. They don't want to be, um, you know, they don't want to be killed. So they're, what are they going to do? They're going to build a nice, cool civilization that's under a mountain so nobody can find them. Are you out of here? Well, good to see you. Thanks for coming over. 
I know we're way over time, so I'm just going to try to finish it up really quick. But that's Mesa Verde, um, you know, pretty incredible structure that just doesn't seem anything conducive to what Native Americans and the Americas were doing. Why are you going to set up shop in just a weird place where it's really hard to get to? You know what I mean? Make, you're not going to put your civilization in a place that's really hard to get to, to get to food, to get to uh, food. It's just, why are you going to, I mean, water yeah why are you going to put yourself in a place where it makes it really hard to get places it's just not i think the water drove them there you think water is why they're there yeah they could be there because of the water but like i said otherwise getting food and getting resources having to climb up the cliff or climb out of that hole i mean you know i mean if you ever walk down there in it it just seems crazy that that's what someone would do you know uh, it seems like they're hiding they're trying to not be seen they don't want people to find them uh, same thing, this is the Anasazi of Chaco Canyon. That's Pueblo Bonita. It's just a massive undertaking uh, in a place where there's no water, there's no food, uh, there's not resources really there for, and this is a large complex. I don't know if you guys have ever been there. It is, it is huge. Um, but everything shows that this was not a place where large amounts of people were. There was a few people that lived here and there's, you know, relatively, doesn't even seem like it's used majority of the year. It's something that people go to. Um, and and is, that not, is that not too far from here? Yeah, Chaco Canyon, a couple hours away. Wow. Um, I've been there a couple times. And, and on the solstice, the way that the sun shines down through the rocks creates um, shadows and stuff that go down. All the windows and everything face towards the winter solstice. So, you know, um, just really incredible. You know, again, this is a vast undertaking of something in a place where there's just not resources for these things. There's, you know, kind of like the pyramids. People say, oh, it took millions of people to create the pyramids. Okay, if it took millions of people to create the pyramids, how many millions of people have had to grow crops and catch food and gather food and hunt for a million people, 10 million people? had to gather food for a hundred for a million people to build them. There's just, I mean, again, you want to do something like this and somebody's got to build this stuff. Somebody's got to create food. Somebody's got to cook for everybody. This is not, this is not a small task undertaking at all. This is humongous. And to show that only, you know, it seems like a very little amount of people dwelled here. It just, it has, you have to ask the question, what's going on? What are these kivas? What are these circles? What are these squares and stuff? What's going on there? Are these portals? Are these, places where they're doing sacrifices, ceremonies. Um, it's it's just crazy. And um, there's definitely places that you can go inside of it. And, and we gotta also remember, this is many, many years later. So imagine what it looked like when it was just um, in right. a pristine condition, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the reason that I have tops is the top. What's that? Say that again, Morgan. And how the planet was oriented when it was, when the site was chosen. And right. Was called and all that right yeah i tend to think that it's some kind of ceremonial type place where they're doing ceremonies and stuff um positive and negative i i i want to keep in my that to myself for right now but uh, obviously something definitely big is going on here and you know it, it doesn't seem like probably the average person is living here somebody with some at least a little bit more knowledge of the universe and things that are going on to build all these things to the winter solstice um so then this brings us to uh, Machu Picchu, Andes Mountains, 
same thing. I've been here. It is quite an undertaking to take it such a high altitude. Uh, and um, I want to check that out so bad. And what's cool about this, Michelle, you see the mountain, the tallest mountain that's in front of it. Uh -huh. There are actually ruins on top of that mountain. And you oh, no can, yeah, get a permit. We saw people climbing up there. You can get a permit to climb to the very tip top. But there are ruins on the very tip top of that mountain right there. Most people don't even tell you that. Somebody sent me a chat real quick. Sorry, that was me. I need to bail. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, man. Go ahead. Thanks for joining us, though. I appreciate you, dude. See you later. Blessings, all. Thank We're you. almost done here. And so there are there are literally ruins at the top of that mountain. Very cool. Um, it's just an incredible undertaking when you go there. It reminds you of all the other places. It looks like Chaco. It looks like Mesa Verde. The way the structures are all built, the rocks, everything. It's like, you know, similarly, the same kinds of people are building them. I mean, they have a advanced civilization, you know, understanding of, of rocks and how to do these things. Um, this is Altelion Tetambo. Uh, this is in Peru as well, out of Cusco. Uh, and when you're walking in here, it's just incredible. You're just like, wow, dude, you just, you just feel ancient civilization um, in the side of these mountains. All these things are carved and it's just really cool. This is a structure that's cut with right angles with these stones. And this is similar to the other places in Peru where these stones are not mortared, but somehow cut precisely to fit in with the other rocks. And almost uh, like it was a liquid at once. Yeah, like it was almost like Play-Doh where they were able to like kind of be able to mold it and then heat it up and then it was hot and then it was hard again. Um, however, they, that's how I kind of feel like they did it, but it, it's just amazing how that's just so pristine and so perfect. This is Saxe Woman um, and these pictures don't do it justice. These are some of the bigger ones. I have another one where I took a picture. I couldn't find it on myself sit in front of one of the biggest ones, but I believe the biggest one is 100,000 tons. So here is the same concept where the rocks are just so much bigger than even that of Oleante Tambo, where they're so big and huge. And, you know, like I said, it's almost like they're Play-Doh and then they're malleable. And then I'll look at this one right here to the right, where it's just like, it's rounded. How did you put that rock rounded in there like that, like a tooth almost, it's just- Yeah, and I think that they use some sound technology too, probably. Yeah, to levitate them and you just put them up there. So they're, so they're one, they're able to change the, the molecular structure of the rocks and then they're able to levitate and put them wherever they want to. And uh, this is uh, Pumapunku, one of the most, not really necessarily huge civilization. It's a relatively small place, but the, the surrounding people there said um, that this was a place set up by the gods in a night. So this is a small place. It's not a big civilization. It's really little. And... Um, but it's something that was set up overnight. And I've seen these H blocks set up to the place where they could make a runway and take an airplane off or something. Right. That's possible. But these things are made out of diorite stone. So the mm -hmm. only, only way that they're cut is two ways. Diamond bladed saws are laser beams. Right. There's, there's really no other way to cut these stones. And um, like I said, it's not a very big place. It's a small place. It's one place I wanted to go on the, coat, on the uh, lines of uh, Peru and Bolivia. We never got a chance to get out there, but something I've always thought was just super incredible that this, mm -hmm. this, this little place that made a diorite stone that they were able to do these incredible things. And then this is Angkor Wat, considered to be the largest religious temple in the world, one of the ancient wonders of the world. Um, and I believe 
this thing is just not made by by human hands alone or people uh, that are just average people who know how to build Masonic things. Mm -hmm. The incredible uh, credibleness in this instant Cambodia um, is just vast beyond what we know to be true and how mm -hmm. things are built and how these things are done. And people said they made it with like magic water and they were able to mold it similar to that of, of uh, places in Cusco and stuff, but uh, obviously has its own own design and own structure to itself. So just far beyond uh, anything that we know. And so I just threw this one in at the end um, just to kind of, you know, cut it off. Um, but uh, do I think that civilizations like this are real underwater? I do. I think that especially off the coast of Peru, there are probably civilizations that are very similar to this. Um, even in the early, the late 1400s, when Christopher Columbus was sailing around, he wrote in his diary that they saw lights emerge out of the ocean and fly off into the wall, into the, into the uh, sky. And um, he wrote about that in his diary. And uh, they were off the coast of Puerto Rico. That's obviously in the Buena Triangle. And I think those were, you know, aliens or um, mermaids. Mermaid, yeah, mermaids, sentient beings that were, you know, I said, coming and going. And there, there are literally cities on the bottom of the ocean that um, are probably like this. It's probably not a fairy tale. I believe this kind of stuff is true. So um, I think it's just cool, something just cool to end on um, because it's fun. And um, um, yeah, so kind of neat. So thank you guys. Yeah.